Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back to my first Bunker Daily of 2021. I'm Naomi Smith. And it's a serious one, so at the outset, I should say that today's show covers issues of pregnancy and abortion. I vividly remember hearing my grandmother's tales of having to seek backstreet abortions during the war. Horrendous tales of being a woman with very little money, three children already, alone and pregnant again while her husband was away with the army. And half a century later, I spent my teenage years in Northern Ireland, where abortion was, until last year, effectively illegal and I knew women and girls who had to make dangerous journeys to England to seek a termination. The law is still far from perfect, but no woman should have to face the risk and indignity of either of those situations. COVID has forced us to rethink how we deliver healthcare in the round. Beyond those focused on the virus itself, restrictions on in-person treatments have impacted, and in some cases maybe even improved, many other services. And since April, certain patients have been permitted to receive pills to terminate pregnancies from home. And now the government is undertaking a consultation to decide whether to keep these temporary changes in place once the pandemic passes. To discuss this important issue, I'm delighted to be joined by Catherine O'Brien, Associate Director at the British Pregnancy Advisory Service, or BPAS. Catherine, welcome to The Bunker. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. So could you just explain the the different ways that a pregnancy can currently be terminated? Absolutely. So up to 24 weeks and following um, approval by two doctors, a woman can can terminate a pregnancy either using medication or via surgical procedure. So the changes that were made uh, in spring last year were around early medical abortion, which is a safe and effective method of ending a pregnancy during the first 10 weeks of pregnancy. And it consists of taking two medications, mifepristone and misoprostol. Thank you. And that 24 weeks that you say that that relates to the non-EMA terminations, is that UK wide or is that just England and Wales? So that's England, Wales and Scotland. And so Northern Ireland has still has has more stringent uh, laws around terminations. Is that right? Yes, unfortunately, access in Northern Ireland really after 10 weeks is, is virtually impossible. Well, thank you. And could you just describe the process for us? So how a pregnancy can be terminated from home rather than in a clinical environment? You said that there are, there are two medications. 
how can a woman access those? Uh, does it have to be through private means? Do, do GPs offer that? How, how do the pills arrive? How long in between taking each one? Just, just sort of talk us through that process. Yeah, absolutely. So under the Abortion Act passed in 1967, an abortion can only be provided either within an NHS hospital or within a premises that has been specifically licensed by the Secretary of State for Health. So this means no, unfortunately, under the current law, GPs cannot prescribe um, abortion medication, which is quite frankly ludicrous. Um, So uh, a woman would have to contact an abortion provider BPAS, Mary Stopes, or an NHS facility, and we would be able to provide this on on behalf of the NHS. So there would be no immediate cost to the woman herself. Um, and the pills by post service consists of a consultation with a nurse or a midwife who have a pregnancy options discussion. They assess the woman's safety at home if there's any safeguarding issues. Uh, there'll be an assessment of her medical history. And, uh, the gestation of her pregnancy, because as I say, um, this is only permitted up to 10 weeks of pregnancy. Thanks, Catherine. So those uh, initial consultations with the nurse, are they able to happen now online or are women still having to, to go out during the pandemic, during a lockdown to have their pregnancy assessed and how far along they are and, and all those sorts of things before they're able to take the next step? No, thankfully, um through the introduction of uh, telemedicine, and we are able to conduct the consultation over the phone or via video call. Um, If there are any concerns about the woman's safety, for example, if there are any concerns that she might be being coerced, or if we had concerns about the gestational age of her pregnancy, women can still um, opt and be offered treatment within clinics. But we found that the majority of women following their consultation, will choose to have medication sent by a post to their address, which they can then take in the comfort and and privacy of their own home with the support of their partner or or a close friend and pass the pregnancy at home. And presumably also without the need to find childcare cover for current children that they have, which they would ordinarily maybe have had to have done if they'd had to, you know, seek seek the non-postal version of access to a termination. Oh, absolutely. I think that the, the completely unnecessary um, previous requirement that women had to attend a clinic was really problematic for women for a number of reasons, including caring responsibilities. Some women have to travel a significant distance in order to get to their nearest clinic. So this could mean taking a whole day off work, for example. And yes, you know, having to organise childcare or other caring commitments. Um, The majority of women who end a pregnancy in this country are themselves already mothers, so they will have existing children. This this has just been a, a really important step forward in order to provide the treatment that these women need. Now, some argue that unsupervised so-called DIY abortions mask dangers that that would have otherwise been exposed in a more clinical setting. But as I understand it, recent BPAS studies have found that the risk of major complications has actually fallen and the risk of continuing uh, pregnancy has, has fallen by three quarters throughout 2020. So is it fair to conclude that home abortions could actually be safer than clinical abortions? Absolutely. Abortion is a low risk procedure, which in all instances is safer than continuing a pregnancy to term. 
However, yes, through the the pills by post service, we have seen key complications um, falling significantly, including the risk of a continuing pregnancy or the risk of, of hemorrhage, which, you know, the risk, as I say, was already very low, so 0.07% of women, but that's now fallen by two thirds to 0.2% of women. So yes, we are seeing reduced complication rates. That's better for, for women. It's better for the wider abortion service, and it's also better for the NHS. Of course, yes. Now, there's been a rise in non-surgical abortions since April, and by June, over half of all UK abortions were taking place at home. Some providers point to the economic uncertainty of the pandemic to explain the upward trend. You know, people just don't feel they have the means to bring more children into their family. Others think that it's this uh, two-child limit on universal credit that, that could be a factor. What's your view on that? So in December, we published a study which found that um, financial factors are a significant role in women's decisions to end a pregnancy. And of those women who were aware of and likely to be affected by the two-child limit, over half said it impacted their choice. It's really heartbreaking to, to hear from women who who have a very much wanted pregnancy. Unplanned does not mean unwanted. And these are women for whom, you know, their partners have been put on furlough, they've been put on furlough, they might be in a position to support a child now, but because of the economic uncertainty, can't be sure if that will be the case in in a year's time. So at BPAS, we we strongly believe that the two-child limit policy should be revoked. Um, it's, it, it's simply cruel. And I think that what we've seen during the pandemic, you know, we're constantly being told these are unprecedented times that require unprecedented measures. So we really want the government to sort of look again at the two-child limit in the context of COVID, because yes, that support absolutely needs to be there for, for women, but also for children. Of course, and, and we do also have an ageing population and a government that doesn't seem to want to pursue pro-natalist policies in the way that, that many other governments with, with ageing populations do. And there just sort of doesn't seem to be much, if any, incentive for families to, to, to have more children at the moment. We touched on this earlier and, and, and maybe we'll come back to it in a bit, but the, the government is doing a consultation on whether or not these changes to the to the rules around at home terminations should be extended beyond the pandemic is covid really responsible for re- revolutionizing abortion access in the uk or, or were the changes already in the pipeline sadly yes it took a global pandemic in order to 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 modernize um, a healthcare service that one in three women will require in their lifetime i think that you know, there was already the the clinical evidence um, to show the safety and efficacy of telemedical abortion care. So in 2019, uh, NICE and the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists were already saying that they believed that telemedical abortion care should be provided. But sadly, you know, because of the Abortion Act, because of the way our law is, these decisions all fall to the hands of the Secretary of State, and we just haven't seen, you know, a, a huge desire to update abortion in this way um, until the pandemic. And it was, in fact, a huge battle to even get this in place in the first place. At a time of a global pandemic, the government really dragged their heels on introducing telemedicine and, were, you know, forcing women to travel across the country 
you know, risking transmission and catching COVID-19 because of, you know, they were playing sort of a game of political football really with this. So sadly, it did take a global pandemic and it took a lot of campaigning in order to get telemedicine. So certainly we're, we're keen to, to ensure that it stays in place. Now, let's just talk a little bit more about the, the safety aspects of everything. Now, BPAS has found that patients uh, taking the medication via the postal service at home are more likely to take the drugs at the correct intervals. Because as I understand it, you, you know, there is a, a timing aspect there. And that actually receiving pills by post allows terminations to occur earlier in the pregnancy, which presumably can only reduce risk. Um, does this mean that home abortions might actually be more effective than clinical abortions now? You know, and, and, and also I'm really keen to understand the, the impact on the black market. Uh, you know, as I understand it, the pills by post from unlicensed abortion drugs online had become quite a big thing before this. What's the interplay of, of the whole sort of safety feature? So by allowing women to, to take the medic- both sets of medication at home, this means that they can take the medication at the optimum interval, so around 48 hours apart. Prior to this, if women had to attend a clinic um, in order to receive and take the medication, it did mean that you know some women weren't able to, to take that medication at the optimal interval. So that's why we've seen a reduction in, we believe that's that's part of the reason why we've seen a reduction in the continuing pregnancies and other, other associated risks. And, and as you say, women are able to end their pregnancies at the earliest possible gestation. Waiting times have, have more than halved across the service. And that, again, is also important in, in ensuring that, that the procedure is as safe and effective as possible. Yeah, and, and, and on the point about, you know, people desperately trying to access pills online through maybe unlicensed mm-hmm. means, has this change in the law been able to tackle that and, and reduce the risk to women having to, to buy unlicensed drugs? Absolutely. I think that there is a perception, um, an incorrect perception, uh, that abortion in this country is accessible for all women. Or it's a form of contraception. You know, we get that. People are treating it like, you know, a condom rather than, you know, what it is as a medical. Yeah, I I would suggest that anyone that thinks that abortion is being used as contraception um, should spend a day in one of our waiting rooms and actually talk to women. Um, Although, Probably, I'm not sure. Wouldn't be great for the women. Don't come in. I I rescind my invite. But certainly, I I think they could do do with educating themselves on the the factors behind women's decisions to end a pregnancy. But yes, absolutely. So, so prior to telemedicine, the requirement that women had to attend a clinic um, in order to to access abortion care did mean that for some women. They felt their only option was to turn to online pills that, um, and, and in doing so, put themselves at risk of, of criminal prosecution. Any woman who ends a pregnancy without the authorization of two doctors can face up to imprisonment for up, up to life under a law passed in 1861. That, that still underpins our abortion law in this country. Good grief. Um, I quite. I mean, because because we're not we, we're sort of you know there, there must be research, and 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 maybe you you do or, or don't know, it, but the, the the disproportionate impact therefore must have fallen on women with mobility issues yeah. or from different religious backgrounds, you know, who who just were not able to travel for a multitude of different reasons to a clinic. 
Absolutely. We know from speaking with uh, online providers of abortion medication um, that women were turning to these sources because, for example, they were in an abusive relationship and they couldn't risk their partner discovering that they were pregnant. Um, so they felt they couldn't travel to a clinic. Women caring for disabled children you know, couldn't travel to a clinic. And, you know, younger women, perhaps, that, you know, living at home, their parents would strongly disapprove of the fact that they were pregnant, let alone having an abortion. You know, these are these are really desperate groups of women. And this is why we really need to, to maintain telemedicine as an option for women, because otherwise women in incredibly desperate situations will be forced to, to turn online, risk criminalisation and also access um, abortion care without that wraparound support that they can get if they access the, the care legally via a provider like BPAS. Now, we've discussed this, Catherine, from the the relative privileged position of British patients. In parallel, how has COVID exacerbated, you know, global inequalities uh, in terms of access to sexual health and and reproductive services, particularly in poorer countries? Access to contraception has undoubtedly been hit um, by COVID-19. And I think it's, it's interesting to see how... The conversation around, you know, there was a study just published today about concerns that we're, that women in this country aren't going to be having babies at the moment because of COVID. But actually, in other countries where contraception is less accessible, we predict that there will be a, 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 an increase in unplanned and potentially unwanted pregnancy, which, you know, can push women and families into further poverty. So it really is a real concern. Just getting back to Northern Ireland because it's you know such a, a an emotional one for me personally, and you know I, I know friends that ended up being very ill by sort of bleeding on their way home from uh, you know having to rush over to England to seek a termination. Providers have expanded telemedicine services to Northern Ireland, as I understand it. Is there any risk that that could be disrupted by Brexit? We're seeing already food shortages in Northern Irish supermarkets as a consequence. Do you know if if there's a risk also to these medications being disrupted? So, um, yes, we're not aware of any any risk to medications arriving in, in Northern Ireland for abortion care. But what we are aware of is that there is a real postcode lottery in services in Northern Ireland. And uh, some areas have decommissioned abortion services. So women are still traveling to England for abortion care from Northern Ireland, despite the fact that abortion has now been decriminalized. It certainly hasn't been destigmatized. Um, and that holds true, you know, in both communities, um, from my experience. And so I can understand that that women wouldn't want to go and see their family doctor about this or, or a local service lest... Their, their family or, or friends were to find mm. out. So I can understand until we cu- have a cultural change towards it as well, uh, I, I can imagine that women there may still feel safer travelling to England. And so finally, let's just get back to the issue of these government consultations that are happening. So it is technically it's the Scottish and English systems that are currently holding consultations on whether to make these temporary measures permanent. Who's involved in these consultations? And is, is there anything listeners who might be interested is there a way for them to get involved in it? Oh, absolutely. Um, so consultation in Scotland um, has just closed at the start of, of the month. Um, but there are consultations ongoing for England and Wales. 
um, and any member of the public can make a submission to to those consultations. Um, and it really is very, very important that we that we aren't complacent about about uh, the result of these consultations. As I say, the government were incredibly slow and reticent to introduce telemedicine in the first place. Um, so it really is very important that that we mount a strong defence of the service and and a strong de- defence of women's right to access abortion care because that's fundamentally what this comes down to. Do you think women should be able to access abortion care in the most safe, effective and woman-centred way? And if so, telemedicine needs to stay. But we've got over a month now, so the consultations close in February. Um, Until then, anyone can can respond. And our details on the BPAS website if people want to find out how to do that. Great. Well, Catherine, it's been an absolute pleasure and incredibly eye-opening. Thank you very much for joining me on The Bunker. You're welcome. Listeners, remember there's a new bunker daily every Wednesday, Thursday and Friday with Start Your Week on Mondays and the main panel show on Tuesdays. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes. And you can also back the bunker on the crowdfunding platform Patreon. Just see our Twitter or Facebook or search Patreon Bunker Podcast. See you next time. The Bunker Daily was presented by Naomi Smith. The producer was Andrew Harrison. The assistant producers were Jacob Archbold and Yelena Safranievich. An audio production was by me, Alex Reese. The Bunker Daily is a Podmasters production. <laughs> <laughs>